You're listening to the Australian Army Training and Doctrine Podcast. How does the Australian Army innovate? And what does that mean for today's soldiers as they train for their job? Well, that's the question we'll be asking Major General Fergus McLaughlin in this podcast. He's the head of Modernisation and Strategic Planning Army and is based in Canberra. General McLaughlin, what do we mean by the word innovation? The Australian Army has a great tradition of innovation. In the old days, our, our sergeants were expected to find solutions to problems. We prided ourselves on our ability to, with a bit of bailing twine and a, and a bit of rusty fence wire, to solve a problem. The reality in the 21st century is that's uh, not quite so easy to rely on. So it's really important that we have mechanisms to both listen to our workforce coming up, who's got an idea, Um, but also to understand what's available in industry, particularly Australian industry, where there's some really exciting ideas, create a marketplace, a gateway where we can interact with those people and then test some of their ideas and, if necessary, um, be willing to fail, start again and start the process all over again. Because some people might say it's become a buzzword. Mm. So what does it actually mean, particularly for you in your position here at Army? It is something of a buzzword, but... An army, in my view, that is not improving itself is effectively standing still. And when you're standing still, your adversary is potentially either catching up or moving past you. So leaving aside the buzzword, um, what an army has to be able to do is continually make itself better. Innovation applies to the application of innovative technology and ideas, and I can give you some examples of those. But importantly, and this is, I think, is really important for everyone in the army to understand, it actually relates to the way we do things. Is there a way that we can train smarter, faster, simpler? Can we use simulation to replicate complex environments where we operate? And can we simplify a procedure? A combination of both technology and the way we do business. Now, innovation always starts with an idea. So how are those ideas generated in Army? I think really important that we have bottom-up innovation, both the Special Forces and Forces Command have innovation days, bottom-up initiatives. And in fact, I'll be flying out to Townsville next week to attend the 3rd Brigade's innovation activity and my Deputy Director General Modernisation will be going to the other two brigades. What we want to hear is where people out there have innovative ideas and of course I bring access to resources to solve some of those problems. So bottom-up innovation, really important. But just as important at my level is to be out there and understand what is going on uh, in industry and in technology. And I'll give you one example of a success we've had there recently. The Special Forces have used robotic targets that are programmed to behave autonomously, uh, a wonderful low-level technology initiative involving some scientists from an Australian university collaboration with special forces to develop that capability. We are now rushing to get those out into each of our three combat brigades so our people can train with an adversary who actually behaves realistically when they're shot at. So that's one example, the kind of robotic adversary. What kinds of other ideas are you seeing coming through? Oh, there's just so many areas where I think technology is offering us opportunity. Why do we need to move across a dangerous space to conduct resupply, where in this day and age we have the emergence of smart technology, smart cars, we should be able to do smart combat resupply. So at our Innovation Day this year, we've got some Australian companies who are showing us uh, small electric 
all-terrain buggies that potentially, given direction, will find their way autonomously to a platoon in contact to potentially take them resupply, saving us the, you know, the ability to expose a soldier to, to dangerous fire. Those are examples of technologies that are out there. We can similarly extend the range of our Tiger helicopter by having manned, unmanned teaming. The Tiger, rather than expose itself above a ridgeline, could potentially push an unmanned aircraft up and scan the ground and before it is uh, exposed. Those are the sorts of technologies that armies, the best armies in the world are really grappling with now. We need to get moving. You talk about having innovation at every level and also that bottom-up push for new ideas to come through. So how do you enable that, given the rank structure and the fact perhaps that younger soldiers may feel that they don't have the permission to innovate? Yeah, great point. We, we have to flatten our our ideas structure. I think these brigade innovation days are a great idea where people like me will go down to the brigade and sit there and listen to ideas and I don't care if the idea comes from a lance corporal or a lieutenant colonel. An idea is an idea and, and interestingly often it's the younger members of our workforce who are the most tech savvy. This is the generation that are able, many of them are, are writing their own applications. They're able to understand technology at a level that, that people potentially of my generation have not. So I guess my message to, to all uh, the people listening to this podcast are, um, you know, look out for those opportunities where you can present your ideas and we're going to do our best to resource those and test them. And if they fail, we're going to say, well done, here's what we've learned from that. That cul-de-sac isn't worth pursuing, but have another crack and we'll, we'll try something different next time. Now, the nature of innovation is that it's innately disruptive. Mm. And I use that word both positively and negatively. How does the army manage disruption that goes with innovation? I think disruption is is one of the most important things that we study and most of your listeners will be aware of companies like Netflix. Netflix was a, a company that existed to distribute movies on disc. The, the founder of the company realised that streaming video was coming and he effectively disrupted his own business model to say, you know, we're going to stop doing that uh, distribution, even though it's successful, and we're going to push into this new era of video streaming. Now, we all know what the end, end state has been, but just think through that process where he's saying to his shareholders and to his board, look, I know we're successful now, but we're going to stop doing that and we're going to start doing something else. We don't want to be the taxi service that has Uber arrive and effectively dislocates our business model. So we have to understand and perhaps challenge ourselves. What are we doing that could be done a different way? I think there's real opportunities in the logistics space. I think we should be looking at, you know, how do we Uberize our transport fleet? Even if initially it's only our white fleet, for example, you know, I want our brightest and best thinking, uh, it's time to start trying something different. What do you then do with an idea once it comes through? I mean, it's one thing to have the idea, it's quite another to turn it into that new service, that new Uberized approach to logistics, or indeed a newer piece of equipment. Well, that's, that's the challenge, and I think that's the challenge for all innovators. Often, it's not the idea that's the problem. And I think we have wonderful ideas, and, and importantly, I think in Australian industry we have great ideas. It's turning that idea into something that's sustainable uh, and deliverable over time. We've run two Army Innovation Days now. The first of those we looked at um, unmanned aerial systems. We chose the uh, Black Hornet Nano UAS, about a 70 gram micro UAV. It's been incredibly successful in trial. We had it in soldiers' hands within one year. It's been on deployment 
Last year, we did a whole range of activities around human performance. My challenge to my staff is get that stuff in soldiers' hands within one year. We did that with the robotic targets. We're doing uh, some things around health monitoring using the technology that football clubs have been doing to track GPS movement, to track heart rate, and to tailor specific development programs. And again, our challenge is to get those into our gymnasiums and our soldier recovery centres as fast as we can. That isn't always easy. Procurement rules in the Commonwealth are designed to protect the taxpayers' money. The culture is changing in government in Canberra and people do understand that innovation means that sometimes things aren't successful. So watch this space. We've got our third Innovation Day coming up and again the challenge to my staff will be you've got one year, get this in the hands of soldiers and let them test it and see if it'll work. And once you do get the new equipment, for example, the UAV technology into a unit, how do you then integrate that with training to ensure that people are able to leverage maximum benefit from that innovation? Yeah, that's a really good question. This is where we've got to fight against our own cultural tendencies. You know, naturally and sensibly, armies need to have rules and we like to have a training design before we run a course and so on. Um, in some of these instances, you actually got to put the thing in soldiers' hands, let them play with it, let them test it, let them operate it, and then they will come back to us with ways to utilise it that we hadn't envisaged. If you're introducing a semi-autonomous robotic target, there is no old rules to fall back on. The target didn't assault towards you when you shot it in the past, so that means we've really got to get our thinking caps on, work together and find safe ways to start using that kind of technology. Now you've talked about innovation. What about modernisation? Clearly the two are linked, but what does modernisation mean to you? I would describe modernisation as the more structured process. So we know, for example, when a, a piece of equipment is coming to the end of its life. Uh, for example, we've just, uh, we've just moved from the CH-47 Delta Chinook helicopter to the CH-47 Foxtrot model. We knew when the Delta was coming to the end of its life and we had a, a structured modernisation process to replace that. Now they're big expensive weapon systems. As you can imagine that gets lots of scrutiny from the government uh, and from the taxpayer. So modernisation is about making sure we're looking ahead, not getting caught in the here and now and starting to anticipate when things need to be replaced and winning government support uh, getting things into white papers and investment plans to make sure that deeper modernisation of the army can occur in a structured manner. Given the complexity around that, which is both political, logistical, practical, how do you ensure that innovation and modernisation are both aligned with army's force generation priorities? I don't have to guess now where we need to put new equipment. We're going to put new equipment into the readying formation and the parts of the enabling part of Army that are supporting that. That's great because we know that that organisation will work up with new equipment and potentially even deploy with it out onto operations. So Army's force generation cycle has given us some structure. The fight that I'm in, the real war, sadly for me, is the process to make sure that that is understood in both inside the department and in government. Army are sometimes guilty of falling back on overly technical language, cliched descriptions. What we have to do is be able to simply and clearly articulate what we need to do, convince uh, the department and the government of what our needs are. And so that's what we work hard on. Is there then a formal process of constant review, updating, which then leads to modernisation that's clearly understood by Army as a whole? 
I'm not sure it's well understood uh, by the army as a whole, but what is important they understand is that we have to be be very smart. We we need to have structured submissions from our specialist areas. We call them army capability need statements. So we describe a need of something that is uh, getting older and needs to be replaced. So at the moment we're looking, for example, at our landing craft, the LCM8 and the Lark 5 have been around for a long time. So we, we have developed a need description of what the future for us of those riverine watercraft look like. Um, and then it's my job to take those into the process that the Vice Chief of the Defence Force runs. It's called the Force Design Process. And Force Design is where our need is tested against other needs in the other service. And at the moment, there are some big needs out there. We're replacing our submarine fleet. Uh, we're recapitalising the Navy surface combatants. So Army needs to be really smart to make sure our needs are well understood accurately described and well thought through. So how do you see this moving into the future? I mean, given that innovation is innately sometimes unknown, it is disruptive, it's, it's about embracing uncertainty. Where do you see this going into the future? Yeah, we have to do a, a number of things. The first, we've got to keep our relationship with the Defence Science and Technology Group so they are able to alert us to fundamental changes to technology. For example, quantum computing. Will quantum computing make obsolete our cryptographic capability? Um, hypersonic cruise missiles, changes in cyber space that allow uh, the penetration of our new battle management system and its disruption, the ability of an adversary to disrupt GPS and therefore disrupt the precision timing that changes frequencies and synchronises our radios. So defence science and technology are one of our alert systems. But frankly, our own study, our own understanding of the professional domain, partnership with our allies, uh, exchange positions, liaison officers, we need to have a network of sensors, if you like, and they are our, our human beings who are alerting us to changes uh, globally. And this is where, again, I think the young people listening to this podcast need to help. You know, if you are interested in technology, if you are actively searching the web, if you know and understand things like Linux programming or the ability to write an application, we need your input into what modernisation initiatives we should be pursuing and what they might look like. Major General Fergus McLaughlin, Head of Modernisation and Strategic Planning Army, thank you very much. This is Captain Sharon Maskeldare reporting from Army Headquarters in Canberra. This podcast is produced by the Australian Army and is copyright the Commonwealth of Australia.